Hey, folks, I'm Tom. I'm Keith. We're back again to talk about the Dunlap Champions Club. You've heard us give this pitch before, but we're going to go ahead and throw another fastball at you because the Dunlap Champions Club is where you should be each and every Florida State home game. If you've never tried it, you've got to do it at least once. You do it one time, you'll be hooked. It comes with shade. That's key. It comes with chair backs. It comes with all the food you can eat which Keith and I don't need, but that is one of the perks of it. But it's a really good experience, and many of you have been in there socially, maybe outside of a game, so you've seen the space. Some of you still haven't been in the space. You need to call and take a tour. The ability to watch the game from your chair, to go inside where it's cool, to get food, to get drink, to see people and and socialize to whatever degree, that's important to you. Dozens and dozens of televisions on the wall. You won't miss anything. Plus, you can look out the glass and see from from uh, the fourth floor. It, again, it's a place you ought to go and give it a chance. For your tickets, for a tour, for more information, 644-1830. And now, without further ado, Front Row Knowles. Broadcasting live from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee, this is Front Row Knowles with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener, online at ctf.nu. Now, here's Tom and Keith. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Tom and Keith back with you. How are you, sir? Nobody knows the trouble I see. Now, why'd you have to start that way? I had no idea you were going to start singing. I feel like we should start the show over since we're so early in it, but I guess we'll continue. Nobody knows my sorrow. Keith and I spent another Thanksgiving together. (laughs) That's up the total more with Keith than with my wife. (laughs) In this case, she was there, too. Don't forget so I about guess the one both... Christmas. Don't forget about the one Christmas. Uh, there was one Christmas, too. We were uh, in Orlando with the basketball team, spent a lot of time together driving back and forth, because uh, this just in, there's not economical. I don't even think there's direct flights between Orlando and Tallahassee. But point being, um, I was, no offense, it was good not to see you on Monday and Tuesday. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> um, and we debriefed about football already. We probably should start. There's a big basketball game tonight, though, so you're, uh, you've got double, triple duty tonight. You're, uh, heading to the tuck for that big matchup in the ACC Big Ten Challenge. We'll have to hurry. What's, uh, what's your thoughts on that first? Well, first of all, you've got to go back to the last game. Florida State loses by six to Villanova in a game they were down by two with about a minute, minute and a half. You were there, obviously, with me. Uh, I thought they played – I thought it was interesting that they didn't play well, but they still stayed with Villanova. Uh, played a very good game uh, against LSU in that win. So I'm interested to see do they come out and how do they play. Uh, obviously, this team is predicated upon defense, defense leading the offense, uh, but they need to shoot the ball better. Uh, Savoy in particular or anybody from three land, uh, they've got to hit some threes, uh, and it's going to be an interesting tussle. This is a very, very good Purdue team. They've got one kid that's averaging about 23, 24 points a ball game that you've got to keep an eye on. And number two, um, they've got some three-point shooters with distance. They're not just going to toe that line. They're going to be back at the NBA distance, so you're really going to have to extend your defense uh, in the tuck tonight. Uh, but I'm looking forward to it, and I hope a big crowd shows up. Uh, these kids are fun to watch. Uh, if you're not planning on it and you've got some time, come on out and look at them. You'll, you'll be well rewarded. Yeah, they're, they're going to have a good year. I, to me, their offense is a little clunky right now. It's not where it needs to be which Leonard has talked a lot about needing to make the extra passes, which leads to open shots. And part of that is putting new guys in and, and working on the rotation. And the rotation will change whenever Phil Kofer comes back. Defensively, uh, the issue I saw is is had to do with switching on screens and allowing too many dribble, dribble drives. Dribble, exactly. dribble drive penetration. Yeah. So, And that's not something that you usually see. And then, uh, you know, quite frankly, when Kamaji's out, you don't have a rim protector there. In, in Fiondu the way that uh, you would if Ike was still there. That is correct. That is correct. So, so Ike's missed. But that all that said, I don't. I guess the point is I don't think they played nearly as well as that. They're only scratching the surface of what they can be, and yet they still got a nice win over LSU. The Villanova team is rebuilding. They put four guys in the NBA, but it's still they've won two out of the last three national championships. And you'll, well, you'll that, take a that close Gillespie loss. That Gillespie kid was all that, and then some. I yeah. mean, Florida State had no answer for him. All right, so they get Purdue tonight. Purdue has not really played anybody, but starting tonight, they play, I think they play the Lakers and then like the, <laughs> then the Celtics. I mean, they've got a, I forget who it is, but it's a murderer's row over the next uh, two weeks for yep. Purdue. Okay, so now that we uh, killed two minutes not talking about football, I guess we got to talk about the obvious, case. Do we really have to? I th- well, we did for an hour the other day. This now is it's, true. Now this it's Wednesday. True. And... Um, 
I don't know. The numbness is sort of worn off. I don't know if I'm there yet. Um, it's 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 still surreal uh, and and obviously disappointing as as a former student athlete. Um, and I've talked to some other of, of teammates, both teammates and then the ones some that are younger and some that are older. They all feel the same way that you know still 100 percent behind. Uh, Coach Taggart in this program, but just hoping, hoping that some needed changes get quickly identified and remedies implemented, I guess would be the way I'd say it. Well, yes, I think we all feel that way. And we're in the we're in the hindsight discussion, which we've had, you know, after every game. But now you have it for nine months, really, about how, well, this didn't work. You should have done it this way. That didn't work. You should have done it this way, which is which is part of it. Uh, I do think he'll he'll look in the mirror, and there will there will be some changes. I don't know what those will be. Whether it's some players that uh, aren't invited back, whether it's some coaches that aren't invited back, whether it's just rethinking every element of how you conduct practice, what time you conduct practice, what song you play, any of that stuff. I mean, I think it's all on the table. But I do think at some point, and this is not to absolve Coach Taggart and his staff, uh, or frankly Jimbo and his staff, what they at, at some point. Players have to be held accountable for the product on the field too. There's there's no question that uh, the accountability issue, uh, players holding other players accountable, was missing. Uh, along with uh, you know just the the mental softness or lack of mental toughness of this group, um, and that's a that's a cultural thing that uh, is is it starts with recruiting kids that have that mindset which is difficult to, uh, to identify during the recruiting process. I'll acknowledge that. But it goes back to things that uh, I remember Jim Gladden telling me, Coach Gladden telling me, who, re- who brought me to Florida State uh, as, a, as a recruiter, that the things that he would do, and this is 30 or 40 years ago, but I think the, the concepts are the same. He would make sure he spent time with the guidance counselor. You know, what, what, what other schools have has this kid looked at both in terms of an athlete or a non-athlete, uh, would spend time with the with the. Um, normally, it was the vice principal, but whoever was in charge of discipline, you know what what kinds of problems has this kid had since he's been in ninth grade, if any, and then obviously sitting down and talking with the coach and saying, how does this kid has he ever been hurt? How did he come back from an injury? Has he ever been benched? What was his reaction? Has he ever played a poor game and, and been chewed out or, or disciplined? How did he react? Trying to get a background and a feel for how someone's going to respond to adversity. Because as you and I have talked, the more you recruit the higher-end athlete, the four- and five-star athlete, you're dealing with kids that probably haven't faced a lot of adversity in their life. They've always been bigger, faster, and stronger than, than the others. They've always been given special treatment. They're probably playing on teams that have been successful and, and have huge winning percentages. So how are they going to respond when they get to college and everybody else is just as big, fast, and strong, and they're not playing or they're not playing well or they're losing? And how will they react to that? And a simple response is to say there's other schools that have four- and five-star athletes that aren't dealing with these same challenges, but – if you widen it past a year or two and look back five or ten years, you can pick every just about every blue butt, maybe back further than ten years if you want to lump Alabama in, to see where they had the same issues with with similar caliber athletes. Well, whether I, I mean most recent the most recent example is Florida, who missed a bowl twice in the last three seasons. Or four and seasons, I think when you look at the Alabama, of course, Alabama has set itself up as the you know as the gold standard of of the two thousands or however you would phrase that. But I think if you sat down with the assistant coaches and some of the seniors on that Alabama team, one of the things you would hear is that the upperclassmen hold the underclassmen accountable. No, we don't do it that way here. No, you don't do that. Don't do that again. Here's how we do it. Do it this way. And and I would guarantee you, because if you talk to every national championship team at Florida State, they will talk about the players holding the other players accountable. And I think the underwritten, we know Coach Saban is a little bit of a taskmaster, and he's not necessarily the most jovial and player-friendly guy, uh, player-friendly coach in the world. But I think if you peeled back that onion a little bit, you would see that there's a great deal of player accountability in those programs. And obviously Florida State has had it as well, just don't have it now. Well, 
for better or worse, we've got until I think it's August 31st to have this discussion, Keith. <laughs> there is an early signing period coming up later this month. Uh, there's a spring football game, second Saturday in April. There, well, I guess I left out the regular signing day, which is going to be proving anticlimactic moving forward because it seems like everybody's trying to get everybody signed in December now. And that'll include FSU and Coach Taggart. I don't think it's a bad thing that they get more time to concentrate on that right now. I think it's a good thing uh, in my own mind because, you know, that last two months of the recruiting, as it used to be, just got crazy. I mean, it was just nuts. Yeah, so they'll they'll be focused on that. We don't touch recruiting too much. Um, but I'm confident. I will say this about recruiting. I'm not worried about the – record this season or even the score in the games in terms of adversely affecting recruiting um right now if this was five years of this then yes but but not right at this point there are plenty oh, of programs great message you got a great message <laughs> come now we need you yeah you know yeah no it's true especially if you're at this position and that position which would be linebacker and offensive line in the other order i started the wrong way but yes <laughs> All right, uh, coming up on today's show, our Seminoles.com insider, Tim Linnefeld. He'll join us uh, next segment. We'll flash back four decades. Can we just surprise about. him with a new walk-up song? Oh, uh, well, he'll get a new walk-up song. Secretly, is Matthew, is Matthew working? And Matthew's working on that. Secretly, uh, well, never mind. Let's leave that alone. Just just say it'll it'll remind you just how long ago we're talking about when, when you hear this in the next segment. You mentioned Matthew. I do want to tip our... Uh, we collectively we need to tip our cap to matthew he's the the uh, person you don't hear from much but he puts this show together not just on wednesdays but also at crazy times all during the football season and when i say crazy times we literally are i'm emailing him files at like five in the morning if we've been on the road like after notre dame and he gets that thing edited together so that it airs uh the first look show uh sundays at nine so we do appreciate that Nor- normally my truck is not moving when we do the show, though. We, we even violated yeah, this, that concept. This past week, we were driving to basketball and we did the show. Nobody cares about that. We're also going to hear from Megan Connolly of the uh, FSU soccer team. They're playing in the College Cup this weekend. She'll join us in a couple of segments. So, big show straight ahead. We are just getting started here on Front Row Knowles. <laughs> Front Row Knowles on 97.9 ESPN Radio is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now, back to Tom and Keith. We have gone back in time. That's the number one song in the land. This week, 1981, the last time FSU failed to make a bowl game. As we say hello to our Seminoles.com insider, Tim Linnefeld, via the Earl Bacon Agency hotline, the Earl Bacon Agency, ensuring your future together. Tim, uh, some might say that this Florida State football team needs to get physical as well, so maybe that song was appropriate, but uh, you know the deal. We change the music every time there's a loss. I will decree here and now, though, that we're not going to play that as your walk-up music every week going forward. We're just going to change it again next week. How are you, sir? Well, I, I really do appreciate that. <laughs> That's good for one week, I suppose. Uh, I wonder if we took a, a poll of the players from 1981, maybe the seniors from 1981, if any of them would have gotten that as being the number one song that was played the week after they played their last not. game and didn't go to a bowl. Hopefully I bet they would. Uh, well, they might have gotten the answer right, but hopefully it wasn't their number one song is the point I'm making. Tim, it, it's been uh, a few days. We all have uh, had to go through the grieving process. Where are you uh, at this point? Are you beyond denial? Uh, are you just angry? What, what's what's the emotions here? Oh, I think I got past denial somewhere around week eight or nine. <laughs> uh, you know, a little bit. Uh, I don't Man, I don't remember all the stages of it, but... Uh, Somewhere between uh, acceptance and uh, is frustration one of them? I don't know that anger is the word, but uh, you know. And then, and part of that I think is just sort of like, um, like what even just happened? You know, like it's it's, it's weird. Like you you kind of know it, but even like I, I was saying to somebody the other day, like in my like I'm not sure that my brain has fully uh, computed that it's uh, that it's really over. Because even you know the last few years, 
the the first week after the last game, uh, you know, if you're not in the ACC championship game, it's always been a little quiet from a football sense. So it kind of feels like that. Uh, so I don't know that it really hit me uh, that that football season's over, and probably for another couple weeks. I find myself. You didn't ask me, Tom, but I'll tell you anyway. I find myself remembering last year because last year was really for me the first time thinking about losing the streak and then we we they played another game and then they played a bowl game and so in my mind I'm rehashing last year going it worked out okay and then I'm fast forwarding to this year and it didn't work out okay and I don't know I've I've even begun the process if that makes any sense yeah, no, I think it does. I think it does. It's uh, hey, it hits us all in different ways. The five stages, by the way, are, are denial, anger, yeah. bargaining, depression, and acceptance. So if you're was it, where was the bargaining? If, <laughs> if you're the bargaining is the the whole period when we were saying, well, you know, Jimbo left things in a mess or this. We were bargaining with ourselves, right? I guess. Um, but Tim, if you're already at acceptance, then then congratulations, you've you're moved. a fast healer. Yes, you or maybe. Maybe I'm in denial about being in acceptance. What do you think of that? I, I don't know. Or maybe you're accepting. We're going to have to solve. We're going to have to call Sally Carey off. She's going to have to help well, us with this. Well, here's here's the thing, and you see this more on social media, I guess, Tim. But and it's a product of society. Everybody wants the the three word answer to why Florida State's in this predicament, and people are tired of hearing us say it was Jimbo's fault. And the reality is, it's not a three word answer. It's a lot of things. It's some of what Jimbo left. It's the offensive line. The quarterback play wasn't great. It's current staff coaching. It's a need to recruit at other positions. I mean, there, there's not one. The schedule was was more difficult than Florida State has played in a while. And as much as we hate to admit it. The ACC has actually gotten better. Now, none of that excuses that FSU shouldn't be back at the top and competing at the level Clemson is. But I, I, I just don't think there's one easy answer to the how we got here question. No, I agree. Like, if the, the three-word answer is wasn't good enough, right? I mean, that's basically kind of what it comes down to. And then you uh, you get into the reasons later on, and then that takes a lot more words. Uh, but, yeah, man, I mean, look, there was a lot that, uh, that went into it, a lot of factors. Uh, I mean, all of them real and legitimate, I think. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I kind of felt like this season, you, it was almost kind of like a like watching a game and that, like, it was almost, in, in a sense, like, it, was, it sort of felt like death by a thousand paper cuts. Like, none of the problems in and of themselves were huge, uh, but there were a lot of them, you know, and, and it was sort of like, where do you even start? Um, you know, it was going about fixing this thing, and, and, um, and I don't know the answer to that, um, but I know at least uh, – now they got some time to figure it out. Well, I, I, I'll give you the two places you start. Number one, you reevaluate and or reassign and or dismiss some staff. And number two, you focus on that early signing period. And if the, if they don't weigh more than two hundred and seventy pounds, don't sign them. <laughs> <laughs> well, you might yeah. de- depending position. <laughs> no, well, I'm just signing. Uh, no, I'm signing all of them. <laughs> all of them only sign offensive linemen. Bring them all in, and we'll find some. Well, you know, I was thinking. I mean, if if you want the, uh, the 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 smallest of silver linings, you know, to me, I don't think it's the worst thing in the world that uh, that, that Willie Taggart and his staff have, you know, essentially uh, a lot of time uh, to focus their full efforts on recruiting, particularly with the early signing period coming up. And I'm sure they'd be doing that anyway. But uh, you know, I think you know the, the program's time can be, probably be better served by. Uh, both recruiting uh, as as much and as often as possible, and then also by you know doing whatever you need to do internally uh, in terms of your evaluations and assessments and all that, uh, rather than you know then I think you're probably better served long term doing that than than prepping for you know the the quick lane bowl or whatever the case may be. As much as you prefer to be there, um, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing that uh, that they can immediately get about the process of, of moving forward and, and doing everything that needs to be done. I also think another silver lining, I would say, is that this is not you just made a bowl by the skin of your teeth and, you know, a few of the losses were one-point losses and so really we're a couple plays away from being 9-3, and 10-2. Or, or you think you are. This this is, you look at the scoreboard and six of the games you weren't competitive and so it forces you to sit down and truly more deeply analyze everything you're doing, which may not happen if it was it was the first scenario. So I don't, I don't think that's a... A bad thing either. Uh, short. Yeah, t- no. Your 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 warts are still your warts, no matter what the uh, you know what the outcome would have been. They are, they are. But you might not have acknowledged they were warts if right. you, if you lost. Right. right. How about malignant growths? <laughs> that's a uh, that's a that's a better way to put it, I suppose. 
KJ, I know that the bowl streak, uh, for all involved, and I, I fall back on the players more because you guys put your blood, sweat, and tears into it. The bowl streak, the winning season streak, uh, you hate to lose those. That feels more like a short-term thing, though. I mean, because you get past that, and the reality is it, it, I think it's more about we want to see Florida State competing at the highest level again. I think the the reality of the thought process is those were products of Florida State playing well. So the first thing that's got to change is Florida State's got to get to playing well or those things wouldn't have continued anyway, if that makes any sense. Yeah, it's it hurts. Uh, and I've talked to a couple of players since Saturday that uh, both the older than me and younger than me and uh, we're a part of it, and we're nowhere near it. But we all believed in it, and and we're you know embracing it, and it hurts, and it hurts the current players. Whether we give them acknowledgement of them appreciating it enough, or is that an older thing, and you don't do it until you get more mature? But uh, that's water under the bridge. It's time to move on. We 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 don't have. We're not going to solve any additional forward thinking problems by looking backwards. And no, not, I think I think you're right. I, again, I think it's totally natural for, uh, for for you guys to feel that way, and and that's fair. And I think it's kind of one thing that sort of, you know, maybe united uh, different generations of, uh, of Florida State football players. Um, but uh, but at the same time, you know, I mean, I think you know, after the other day before the game, um, uh, Eric Lou Allen asked me uh, if 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 I would trade the bowl streak for a guaranteed ten win season next year and i said well yeah <laughs> yeah i would and, and i think most people probably you know would in the sense of that if if the difficult time this year is the precursor of something better down the road and you know that it is um and you, you know would you, would you are you okay with that and i think that uh, that most you know reasonable fans are, are you know that's kind of where uh, where things are you know if, if, as long as it's moving in the right direction you, know, you understand there's going to be some bumps in the road Tim, a tough question, uh, and, and I don't need specifics, just macro sense. Sure. Uh, come next August, how many kids that had eligibility are no longer here? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know an exact number. Uh, I think there will be a few, right? Um, I think, you know, it'll be a, it probably at least one, I think we suspect probably will go to the NFL, maybe more than that. I mean, that, that, that time of year, I think is always full of surprises. Uh, and then, you know, I think, you know, Willie Taggart has kind of come out and said, and if you've read, read some of the reports around this week, I mean, the, the kind of the, the conversation with guys uh, right now uh, is, you know, you sit down and tell like one-on-one meetings with, uh, with the coaching staff or, or with Willie Taggart himself one-on-one and, and sort of ask, all right, well, are you in or are you out? Uh, and then you kind of, kind of draw a line in the sand and, um, and I think, you know, your first thought is, is if you're a fan, is, you know, why, why has that not happened already? But I also think that, you know, look, that you still got to play games. You know what I mean? Like you can't really do that in, in August or September or October because you still got to feel the team. You still got to you know, play your games and, 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 and kind of get through the season. But now that that's over, um, I mean, I think it's, yeah, I, I, I don't know a specific number, but I think it's higher than zero. Uh, that there'll be some guys, and also, you know, Willie kind of alluded to this that, that he has a better read now uh, on the situation and the roster and, and and the guys on it. I mean, you know, before he you kind of have a, a few uh, a few weeks or a few months with with guys, but you don't really understand the ins and outs, and you don't understand yet, you know, who they are, uh, you know, through the grind of a season or, or whatever the case may be, or how they fit in with the the culture or the dynamic within the locker room. Well, he knows all that now. Um, and, uh, you know, it's the high price, I think, to learn all that. Uh, but now I think he has a better idea and, and he can kind of get about the business of who he wants to be here and then who, you know, for, for one reason or another, um, isn't a good fit here anymore. And, and I do think there'll be some people on that list. I don't know that it's going to be huge, uh, but I think it'll, uh, it'll certainly be uh, higher than zero. The reason I bring it up, and I don't mean to belabor it, but, and again, talking to former former players, you know, the statement was made after the two kids got thrown out for throwing punches that there would be changes. And then the next game, we didn't see very many changes. So is it an empty threat by Coach Taggart? Because our one sample size, very small sample size, is that it didn't hit to a level, uh, at least a noticeable level. And I think yeah, I think I, there are others well, out there that are asking that question as well. You know, but I, but I think it did to a degree. Like, it wasn't just straight up benching everybody and that kind of goes back to what i was saying 
earlier is, is you can't just, you know, you can't just bench the whole team if you got games that you got to play. Um, but I thought you did see more young guys play toward the end of the season. I mean, think about, you know, getting Keyshawn Helton more involved as a guy that you hadn't seen earlier on. That's fair. Um, That's fair. Then, you know, then, anyway, at, at a position where you're probably talking about, or, uh, or Dennis Briggs played more uh, on defense lately. Um, I'm trying to think of some other ones that are they're escaping me right now. But I thought you did see um, well, subtly more players, uh, more young players uh, get involved as the, you know, the last third or, or quarter of the season. No, that's a, that's a very valid point. Very valid corner. Point. We saw younger corners. I mean, the reality is yeah, Kyle yeah. Myers played less, Fagan played less, but then you had an injury and you had to shuffle the deck a little bit. Right. Uh, Keith, Keith, Keith Gavin played less at the end. Nooney played a little bit less than what he had been playing. Right. Um, all right, this is our last uh, chance to grade you for this year on uh, Rapid Fire, Tim, and we don't even have a fresh set of questions. Okay, well, that's fine. So uh, let, let's cue. Now, remember, we did this two weeks ago, so this was going into the Boston College game, but uh, looking ahead, this tells you where the season went. We had the foresight to address the situation if we had to reference back to 1981, the last time FSU missed a bowl. Turned out that is in play, so let's listen back. 1981, last time FSU didn't make a bowl. Cost of a stamp over under 19 and a half cents. Under. The cost of a loaf of bread was over under 60 and a half cents. Over. The cost of a gallon of gas was over under $1.25.9, I guess I should say, right? That's under. The average income was over under $14,000. Under. The cost of a gallon of milk was over under $1.75. Under. FSU's starting quarterback, this is fill in the blank, in 1981 was? Kelly Lowry. FSU's overall record in 1981 was? 6-5. World Series champions that year? Yeah, the Reds. NBA champs? Lakers. How about the Stanley Cup? Probably the Islanders. We'll count both the BC and the Florida games. Will FSU have a 100-yard rusher in either of those games? No. We could not have scripted this, Tim, but amazingly, you finished 6-5, and five, just as the <laughs> 1981 Seminoles did. Uh, and by the way, the starting quarterback was one Rick Stocksteel, just for those that are waiting for that and to I, be And finished. I figured that out almost as soon as I Yes, you did. You, to, to be fair, you did, just as soon as yeah. I, it was over. So, uh, again, the source on this was in the 80s.com. I'm sure you could look something up and find other prices, but, uh, 18 cent stamps, 54 cents for a loaf of bread, dollar 13 for a gallon of gas, average income, 11,894 bucks, gallon of milk, a dollar 69. Well, by the way, how about that? In 1981, June of 81, I graduated and took my first job at 13.2. So I was above average you, from the get go. You've always been an overachiever, <laughs> KJ. Um, the Dodgers won the World Series and the Celtics won the NBA championship. But that was before your time, Tim. I mean, we went, we, we went out of the lanes there on FSU trying to test the breadth of your sports knowledge, and you clearly failed. But uh, uh, Well, honestly, the Celtics, I probably should have guessed. I don't know. I think all in all, uh, if, you it's, know, if, it's the, if you're asking about NBA titles in the 80s, you got a pretty much a 50-50 shot. Yeah, well, Celtics or Lakers. Yeah, you do. Right. And the Sixers is an oddball, right? That's and in like, the 90s, it was uh, the Lakers. Or, I mean, uh, it was Bulls, MJ, yeah. Bulls. Well, Keith is going to go back and put those uh, all your scores for the year into Canvas, and he has to post those grades by next Tuesday, I think. And so we'll know what your ultimate grade for this semester is. <laughs> but I was. tell you what, Tim, we've had a problem with Canvas. It drops some students and adds some other ones. Well, I don't know if I'll be able to find you tied to my oh, course. Geez. I should... I should still be in that system somewhere. <laughs> Tim, we're going to give you a break on the other sports this week, but uh, from here on out, for the most part, I, I realize we do have a, an early signing period coming up. We will be talking about uh, the basketball school, Florida State. Yeah. Leonard Hamilton and company, a big one tonight. Keith and I have already talked about that. But uh, thanks, as always. Great season uh, from you. You were You were steady and consistent. I thought you brought your A game every week. I do the best I can, guys. And your offensive line, known as Tom Block and Keith Jones, were mediocre, and you had to suffer behind them. <laughs> you got uh, steak dinners and watches coming on me any day now. Appreciate that. He's our Seminoles.com insider, Tim Linnefelt. He went 6-5, and five, really? How could that happen? That, that can't happen. It, it did happen. That just can't happen. <laughs> All right, back with more Front Row Knowles after this.
Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener. Online at ctf.nu. Here's Tom and Keith. Welcome back to Front Row Knowles. Tom and Keith with you. We go back to the Earl Bacon Agency hotline once again. The Earl Bacon Agency, ensuring your future together. We have moved from the football field through the practice facility and uh, onto the soccer pitch now because the Mark Krikorian's team is yet again in the College Cup, which is sort of like death and taxes. They're there about every year, and we're really pleased to bring one of the uh, longtime Seminole stars to the program. She's uh, a senior. Megan Connolly is with us. Megan, how are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I am terrific. So how exciting is this? You you were in a, on a College Cup team in 2015, and I joke that it's like death and taxes, but, you know, when you missed out on the College Cup the last two years, I'm sure that makes this more this year that much more rewarding. Yeah, absolutely. I think missing the College Cup, especially for my season class as well, missing the College Cup our freshman year was huge for us. You know, we're all very used to the team coming in and going straight to the College Cup, kind of set the standard very high for us, you know, Mark always sets the standards high, getting to the College Cup and winning a national championship is the goal every year, and coming short the last two years um, was a huge disappointment for us all, um, and I think that's kind of uh, stuck with the seniors, especially, um, and we've kind of used that in a way to um, inspire the younger ones to kind of keep pushing, um, and this year was is, is a very special year, and uh, we're back there, so it's very exciting uh, to be back in that environment as well. Um, it's the best of the best who are playing there, so it's, it's good to be back. Megan, before we look forward a little bit, let's look back. Obviously, our listeners um, can detect a little bit of an accent in your voice. <laughs> And uh, yeah. I also read uh, where uh, prior to coming to Florida State, you had actually not set foot in the United States per se. So tell us uh, real quickly about your recruiting and how you got to FSU. Yeah, um, so in um, kind of May of 2015, um, I was kind of assessing my options, kind of looking where I wanted to go. Um, and with playing international soccer as well with the Irish team, I kind of looked to stay close to the home um, to kind of try to be more involved in that. Um, so I kind of put America out of the picture. Didn't really look anywhere. Didn't really contact anyone. Um, and I was just going to go try play in England, go try play professionals, not go to college and nothing. Um, and then in uh, a few weeks after I kind of had that in my head, Meg Campbell got in contact with me um, and she was going to a senior injury. And she was saying that uh, Mark was looking for someone and, and she kind of recommended me and would I be interested. Um, and she kind of just kind of pointed me in this direction and just kind of couldn't say anything bad about it. And they had just won the national championship year before. Um, and she just kind of recommended it and put us in contact. And ever since then, within a week, I committed and, and, and decided to come here. And then... In July of 2015, I packed up my bags and just got on a plane and headed over here. And it was definitely a closer shock. But um, four years later, it was. I look back on it and it was the best decision I've ever made. So. We're talking with Megan Campbell, who will uh, Megan Connolly. I'm sorry, I knew I was going to do that. Megan Campbell is your reference, <laughs> former player. This is Megan Connolly uh, from Ireland, who's a senior on the FSU team that will be playing in the College Cup. This weekend, I, I put this out on Twitter and, and asked some folks if they had some questions for you. So this one comes from uh, Andrew Gristina, who's at Andrew underscore Gristina. And in light of the current conversation, this is this is uh, on point. He says he's asking for you to compare and contrast uh, playing on the Irish national team versus playing for Florida State in college. So how is it different stylistically what you do uh, when you're playing for your national team compared to how Mark uh, conducts his team? Yeah, um, there's, there's, a, there's a lot of big differences uh, playing international soccer and playing here at Florida State. Um, obviously, with international soccer, it's a lot of you're playing professional players. You're playing against players who have been in the game for a long time um, and who um, are kind of near the end of their careers in a way. Um, and it, it's, a, it's a very different style of soccer as well in Europe. Um, but here, um, especially being here for four years solid, you kind of build, um, in a way, kind of a greater relationship with uh, the coaches and with the players. 
um, because you're literally around them 24 seven. Um, and probably the biggest difference that I would find with playing on the team is kind of the relationships you build. Um, and that has kind of led to the success on the field in a way. Um, I think Mark, um, Mark is one of the greatest coaches I've been under. Um, and his ability to kind of take a group of players from 10 different countries and bring them together, um, to form, um, a great team on and off the field, um, has, has definitely been the, the big thing about playing on the FSC team. Um, and with, with the Irish national team, it's, it's kind of hard sometimes because you're, you're in for maybe a week and a half camp, play a game at the end of it, and then you come back to your college, you go back to your professional team, some of the girls who play on professional teams. Um, and sometimes it could be considered being in and out. Um, so just being with everybody every day here and kind of building deeper uh, relationships that kind of help you on the field is one of the biggest differences. How about some of the cultural changes, Megan? I mean, do you have a do you have a new American food that's your favorite or anything of that nature? <laughs> um, well, there's a lot of uh, Mexican, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> in, in Ireland, we have uh, Mexican food. Like, I, I don't recall ever going to a Mexican restaurant growing up, but here in Tallahassee, every corner you turn, there's a Mexican restaurant um, and I, I've, I've come to love some of them, so that's definitely one of the big things I've picked up over here. <laughs> well, hopefully when you're home and people ask you what you like about America, you've got a better answer than the Mexican food. <laughs> <laughs> I know, it's not a very cultural yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let, let, let me go back to another question, and we'll, we'll make this a little bit more serious now. This is from uh, Chris Coker, who's at Thomas uh, C. Coker on Twitter. How much, uh, this is related to this weekend's game, you play Stanford on Friday night, the second mm-hmm. uh, semifinal. How much offensive pressure will it take to beat Stanford? Uh, and for those who don't know, I think Stanford's number one in the country. They're always physical. They're always really, really good. Um, I think uh, since uh, after playing them last year as well, uh, we learned a lot from that game. Um, we just uh, we've done a lot of work, uh, just sticking to our game plan in a way. You know, the coaches um, do do their side of things, and we just have to do our side of things. Once we get on the field, uh, we just got to take uh, what we're given um, from the coaches and go with it, and just uh, give them the respect they deserve. Uh, Stanford, they're the reigning champion, so there's there's no. Uh, place to be complacent against them. So we just got to go into the game um, and just from the very beginning um, go at them. Uh, there's no, uh, in these kind of games, it's really the loose. You know, you're in or you're out. You go through, there's no uh, next game. There's no, you can uh, do better the next time. It's, it's all or nothing in it. So it's just, uh, once, the, once the whistle blows, it's just, uh, as you said, uh, often from the start, go straight at them. This question comes from a gentleman I know. He's in the Dallas area, Gabe Kirkpatrick. He w- he wants to know uh, how have you so deftly hand uh, deftly handled your new role? And for those who don't know, I know you started for much of your career, and you've been coming off the bench uh, of late. So that that certainly is a transition. So how did how have you handled that? Uh, yeah, um, I think obviously playing soccer since a very young age. Uh, it's it's a passion of mine. It's something I love to do, and and obviously as as a soccer player, you always want to be on the field. You always want to be playing. You always want to be making an impact. Um, and obviously, over four years, my role has changed. Um, but that's kind of uh, it's kind of a personal thing. It's, it's how much you want to kind of take on your role. And I think everybody's different. Uh, some people uh, take to it much easier than others. Um, but I think the, the environment that Mark has created here, it's a very professional environment. But then again, it's a very family-orientated environment. So everybody who comes here, everybody who plays, you're, you're playing alongside people you would consider your family. So it's much easier to take on a role of uh, coming off the bench and making an impact for maybe 10 minutes um, and helping out the teammates. When you're uh, when off the field, uh, the relationships are, are so much deeper. As I mentioned earlier, the, again, about Mark creating such a, a close environment. Um, and I think when you're surrounded by people like that, it's much easier to um, sacrifice your own kind of personal glory for the, for the team glory. Um, and it's definitely something that over the past year I've gone into. Um, 
and, and any impact I can make to help the team is, is something that, that I love to do. We're chatting with Megan Connolly from the Florida State soccer team. They play in the College Cup on Friday night. I, I want to broaden this, and uh, this is, uh, you know, not everybody who listens to our show knows that much about Florida State soccer. Um, and I'm sure you've been asked plenty of questions about her, and we've had Dana on the show before. But but Dana Castellanos, who had the game winner last week uh, in, in the, uh, I guess, the round of eight, uh, she's a phenomenal talent. For those who follow soccer, they know that. Um, what can you share that maybe we wouldn't know? I mean, that was a lethal left-footed strike that she had, and uh, I guess she's just a junior still. But, I mean, she's been on the world stage, and I just don't know that the average person in Tallahassee realizes, uh, not just to put it on Dana, but A, how good Dana is, and B, how talented you and the Florida State soccer team are collectively. Yeah, I think um, Dana is, is, is uh, a lethal weapon we have, <laughs> to be honest. Well, I I seen the goal last week um, out of nothing, left foot folly into the goal, and, and that's a good win for us. Um, and I think over her time here, she has definitely proved um, her quality and her value here. Um, and I think for her, things can only go off. Um, I think she's, uh, as someone who's around her every day, and kind of has progressed off the field. Um, this is much on the field over the time that she's been at Florida State um, is, is, is pretty cool to see. Um, and obviously, as you said, not many people can see that. Uh, you know, just kind of you can see maybe oh, Dana scores the goal and you can see what she does on the field. But off the field, uh, she's a great person and she's always there to help people. And that's uh, just as important as what she does on the field and, and her scoring goals. Um, she's a great teammate, and, and everybody can kind of uh, agree to that, and that kind of helps the team as well. Um, you know, people can trust when she's on the field that she's going to do her role, and as you saw, she got the goal, and uh, yeah, she's something special here. Megan is a former student athlete uh, at Florida State myself, although mine was about 40 years ago. Don't judge me by that. <laughs> uh, what are you majoring in, and when you put the cleats up, what do you want to do? Uh, I'm majoring in social science. Um, so when I when I put the, the, the boots up, which is hopefully in a long time, um, uh, I would like to, to stay in the same soccer. I'd like to, to keep coaching um, for a, a, a lot of things. What I'd like to do is, is work with kids with disabilities. Um, I like to kind of set up a facility where I could like kind of do coaching um, and give kids who don't have that many opportunities a chance to do that. Um, so yeah, that's that's hopefully in the future. Um, future plans. Well, I hope it's a long time down the road for you. Uh, we wish, wish you the best of luck this weekend, you and the team. Come back with two W's, and uh, we'll always remember that uh, you came to FSU and the USA for the Mexican food. So thanks for joining us, Megan. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. righty, Folks, if you tuned in late, go back and listen to the full interview. That's Megan Connolly and uh, the Seminoles play against uh, Stanford. Second game of the semifinals in Cary, North Carolina this weekend. The other two teams, Georgetown and North Carolina. It's a loaded field. Uh, FSU, that's a, that's a tall challenge against Stanford. He's 21-0-2. and It's a big task. Well, as she's mentioned, they, they've played them in the past, and obviously they've played North Carolina this year. Uh, so uh, familiarity, I don't know if that's good or bad. Mark would have to address that in terms of how he felt uh, they played prior and in current year. Uh, but it's a great opportunity and an absolute phenomenal run that uh, the, the women's side of the athletics ledger has been on when you count uh, the national championship in softball and what volleyball has been doing and, and uh, the continued excellence of, of Mark and the soccer team. Tennis, uh, you know, it's, um, it's a pretty remarkable side of the ledger uh, on the ladies' side. I was joking with uh, Scott Moriak as we wrap up this segment. He's the sports information director, the – the PR communications contact and and his role the way it's carved out at Florida State he has two sports and the sports are softball and soccer and so he's already got a national championship this calendar year and oh by the way as FSU fans know soccer and softball share a facility over there as well so uh, I'm sure Lonnie's over there uh, leaning on Mark saying hey the pressure's on you and Mark's saying, well, it's about time you caught up because we won ours a few years ago, right? <laughs> anyway, good luck to uh, to the women this week. And we'll come back and uh, wrap things up here on Front Row Knowles. Stay with us.
Front Row Knowles on 97.9 ESPN Radio is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now, back to Tom and Keith. Back on Front Row Knowles, we have breaking news, Keith. Can you do the breaking news alert, please? Florida State. That was pretty bad. Well, I sang the began and I'm did it at the end. How about that? Wow, I couldn't even keep a straight face. That was so bad. Florida State has been invited to a bowl. It is the Madison Social BLT Dip Bowl, which is scheduled December 8th from 4 to 8. So the streak continues. The streak continues. We're going to count it. And uh, you should be there as well. Madso has been a longtime supporter of this program. Uh, if that doesn't entice you, the, Are they doing something with cookies? the third annual booze cookie social is December 5th. I'll bring the grandbabies. <laughs> <laughs> Folks, he's joking. Or maybe he's not. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not sure. Anyway, thanks to Madso Townships and Trolley. We appreciate it. Um, we got just a couple of minutes to go. Keith, uh, you want to wrap up anything that Megan said or that uh, Tim shared? Well, uh, two, twofold. Number one, um, obviously by her accent, you know that she's an uh, international uh, player. And she mentioned, I think, di- 10 different uh, countries that are represented on this uh, uh, soccer team. And that's one of the things that Coach Kikorian has done that has led to the success, I believe, that he enjoys. He can recruit these international players, and they will come here, A, because he has a reputation based on his style and success that fits in more with the international game than the American game. And number two, he allows these ladies to go back, even during the season, he allows the ladies to go back to their national teams, as Megan was talking about, to practice so that they continue to represent those national teams in quote-unquote the offseason or the non-college season. I think that's an unbelievable. Well, that, no, they do it a lot during the college season I, too. Which, I'm sorry, but I meant more of the summer, right, summer right. stuff. But my point being, he intentionally allows that or encourages that, right? And therefore, is getting a quality player that a is a good player, and b. I mean, these kids are unbelievable students. I have Malia in one of my classes. And and it's eight o'clock on Tuesdays and Thursday mornings. And if if she is not traveling, she is in that class. Now, obviously, I know her and I know to look for her, but their GPA is off the charts. Their success after their playing days is phenomenal, both in terms of coaching or other things that they get into. I mean, it's a remarkable system that Mark has put in place, in my opinion. Listeners, do you know why Keith Jones teaches eight a.m. classes? Because they won't let the old man start at six thirty. Is that right? That's the earliest FSU will let you start. Otherwise, you'd be like, "All right, I'm, I'm a, five a.m. I can't sleep. Let's teach this class." I'm a, I'm a product. Coach Bowden required us to sign in for breakfast every morning. We didn't have to eat, but you had to get up. You had to go down to the training table and you had to sign your name. And I thought, dumb, dumb knowledge and, and thought process of Wildwood. Well, crap, if I'm up, might as well go to class. So I took 8 o'clock classes my entire college career. That's what I'm teaching. That's what I'm used to. I think it worked out all right for you, all things considered. Something else that will work out well for our listeners, head on uh, to uh, Cornerstone Tool and Fastener. Uh, you hear us talk about them. They'll take care of your uh, do-it-yourself project. Well, they won't take care of the project. They'll they'll walk you through the project. They'll give you everything you need. They're not going to do it for you. Yes, it's no longer a do-it-yourself project. It's a do-it-cornerstone project or cornerstone do-it-for-you project. But anyway, a um, couple locations to choose from, 1110 Stuckey Avenue and 3269 Crawfordville Highway. You can call them at 580-1200 or visit them at ctf.nu. Uh, thanks to Cornerstone. Been around Pulling since Fastener. 1995. Exactly. See, 95, 05, 15. Did you carry the one? That's 23 years. So not quite as long as the bowl streak. <laughs> Everything comes back to that. 23 years longer than the current bowl streak, however, as true. painful as that is to say. All right, we're done with football. Basketball tonight, Keith. You got you got Purdue. You'll be over at the Tuck uh, with Gene here shortly. Need a big crowd. Need a big crowd. Students need you to show up. Uh, Students sold out their allotment again. Excellent. Love to have them. Uh, last time they showed up in all white. I didn't even know the white out was being talked about. I'm, what color will they have on the night? That'll be the question. To, well, I don't know about the students, but the team is wearing the special Native American. Are they playing the turquoise? Yes. Excellent. I forget what their Nike 7 uniforms, I think they call them. 
Chuck will be disappointed because I'm sure it's in the notes and I don't have that off the top of my head. What do you What do you think you need to see? What do we want to see from the basketball team, Keith? From what you've seen through six games so far, got to make some threes. Got to Got to find a way to score on the outside, and then conversely, got to defend a three. I think who he who shoots best from 19 feet plus away wins this ball game. That's what it takes. Well, the three point shooting. It's been inconsistent for Florida State. Kevin Gailey hit the three to win it the other night, but but P.J. Savoy has disappeared a little bit. And to me right now, what you haven't seen, they haven't found the one guy offensively that every game is going to hit four or five threes, which is sort of what Brian Angola was. And I know he went through a stretch last year where he missed him. But, I mean, for example, this past weekend, uh, M.J. Walker had one game where he hit five threes. He hit 21 in a ball game. Yeah. But the other two, it, it wasn't just the steady – 15 17 points yeah that that person has not emerged yet and i'd like to see we've talked about this i'd like to see terrence mann take one or two threes a ball game and i'd like to see trent continue to take i think one that or two a ball i think game. it absolutely and trent terrence has taken about one a ball game but he's passed up about four or five he does not need to shoot five or six no 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 but they give him that look and so even if he takes one a half uh, because right now he's shooting five for six on him or mm-hmm. something like that because he's that wide open. It, it, I mean, Savoy's got to be thinking, man, if they'd leave me like that. But they don't, obviously. Look at the scouting report. But I think it would it would change the way defenses play. And Trent's got to, even if it's not a three, he's got to he's got to shoot the pull-up 15-footer just to get the defense to extend a little bit and, and to play things differently for Flor- against Florida State. And, and then the opposite, the other thing I'd like to see, he had a bad game against uh, – um, Villanova, but uh, Kamaji's, you know, got to hit that little baby hook and, and got to get some trash baskets. He he needs eight or ten points in the paint, obviously, uh, every ball game. He needs to stay out of tr- foul trouble, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, the non-conference, uh, it's an important stretch, an important game for Florida State. They're 5-1 out to a good start, but, you you know, you've got a neutral side game against UConn coming up next week. I don't know a thing about UConn right now. But, I mean, you don't want to get into the ACC play and have three or four on the wrong side of the ledger. You want to pick up some Ws. You've already got two over the SEC. It'd be nice to get one over the Big Ten tonight. The other thing you've got to do, depending on his health and how they work it in, and they're being very uh, closed-lipped and tight-lipped about it, and that's appropriate. But when does Phil Kofer come back? How much do you? How quickly do you ease, ease him in? And what effect does that have on your rotation, understanding that technically he's the leading scorer returning from last year's squad? All right, uh, tip time coming up a little bit after 9 o'clock tonight at the Tuck. Have a good call, KJ. I will uh, talk to you next week. We appreciate Matthew, Megan Connolly for joining us, and our Seminoles.com insider, Tim Linnefelt. So long for now, but we'll be back uh, each and every Wednesday for better or worse. Talk to I you next week. I take my leggings off now and my headband. I leave them kids alone.